All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hello, Canucks fans. Harmon's not there to turn on my mic. Uh, my name is David Guadrelli. I'm joined by Harmon Dial remotely, which is why my mic wasn't on right away, because usually Harmon reaches over and does it. Long story short, I wasn't talking right off the top, but I am now. My name is David Guadrelli, joined by Harmon Dial virtually. Our technical producer in studio with me is Grady Sass. Harmon, do you want to explain to the people why you're not beside me today? Yeah, my car's in service, so it's uh, not available and transiting over an hour each way on a game day was uh, not really feasible. So yeah, I'm not there to turn on your button and uh, and carry you in every way possible. <laughs> Look, an hour transit ride each way. That's me every day, man. You got to get used to it. You got to learn. You got to learn to work on the bus or the train. That's what I've learned how to do. I get a lot done. Producer has to work extra hard today, apparently. <laughs> I know, I know. But you got to remember, I have another full-time job, uh, not just doing this, but writing about the Canucks and the rest of the league. So there's a lot on my plate. Welcome to the club, man. Just because I don't write about the rest of the league and I think the Anaheim Ducks are a wagon. Anyways, we'll uh, we'll move on <laughs> from that. Uh, okay, guys, the New Jersey Devils are in town tonight. Quinn Hughes, Jack Hughes, Luke Hughes will face off against one another. Well, I guess Jack and Luke are on the same side, but you get the point. It's the first time the Hughes brothers are going to be sharing the NHL ice surface together. Harmon, what are you looking for in this game? I'm just excited to see the speed and skill. Honestly, each one of those brothers is so electrifying. I mean, there was a stat that uh, staff leads had, uh, which is a private data tracking company, which showed that Luke Hughes at the time about three weeks ago, 
was second behind only Quinn in terms of all situations, puck carries. Uh, and I guess how long he's been possessing the puck, carrying it um, in all three zones. So he's already such a dynamic, such an electric skating defenseman. And to have Jack coming back at the same time, it's going to be fun high event hockey because the Devils are also pretty leaky defensively right now. Their goaltending has been awful. I mean, Vitek Vanacek statistically has been the worst starter in the NHL this season. Overall, the Devils are the worst team besides San Jose at uh, surrendering goals against. So I feel like we might get hot, fun, high event hockey. And I expect the Hughes brothers to, um, to be all over it, especially because New Jersey, they've got, they've got the best power play in the league at 36.1%. They've got both brothers on that unit. Quinn's going to be quarterbacking Vancouver's unit. I feel like both teams are, are going to be really emphasizing that, hey, we really don't want to put the other team on the power play tonight. Devils have had a few days off. Their last game was a 6-3 to loss to the San Jose Sharks. So we are expecting them to come out firing tonight. Uh, you brought it up. The goaltending matchup obviously favors the Canucks. But when you look at these two teams stylistically, Harmon, like how far ahead or behind are the New Jersey Devils when it comes to their forwards and their defense compared to the Canucks? Yeah, so with their forwards, I mean, it's easy to look at the Devils' record and it's not particularly great so far, but context is important, right? Overall, I think the Devils on paper are, are quite a bit ahead of the Canucks. Uh, you have to keep in mind that Nico Hishier missed 11 games and their record without him in the lineup was 4-7-0. They've won three of four since he's been back in the lineup. Jack Hughes missed a handful of games. Uh, Timo Meyer missed seven games, I believe. And even when he's been healthy, he hasn't played up to his potential yet, but we know that he's got tremendous potential i mean er even eric Halla is returning so they've dealt with a ton of forward injuries in a way that the canucks haven't yet um their their blue line is sort of in a spot where without dougie hamilton they're young and they're a little bit inexperienced they've got a lot of offensive talent um but simone nemich it's going to be really interesting to see how he fares his debut is fantastic against the sharks a uh, number two pick sort of called up, but they don't really have a go-to shutdown pair on defense. So that's again, where I think they're a little bit vulnerable right now, especially because Siegenthaler and Marino haven't been as stellar as they uh, were last year. Uh, Grady, do we have the lines from today's morning skate? Uh, I think we, we might have them. There's no real changes. Uh, Phil DiGiuseppe is going to be the odd man out. We're seeing the Swedish house mafia line. Uh, Nils Hoglander, Nils Amon, and Linus Carlson all getting a look tonight again on the fourth line. Uh, I almost called him Brogan Rafferty, but Sam Lafferty staying with Elias Pettersson and Ilya Mikheyev. Uh, any surprises about this lineup at all, Harmon? Not really. I mean, I'm just curious to see if that uh, Oman Hoaglander Carlson line can get going i think they were hemmed in their own end for long stretches against calgary i don't think they played particularly poorly but i also don't think we saw them drive play to the level that we're you know necessarily used to and of course you're going to keep lafferty on that Pedersen line given the way that the Pedersen line i think they controlled shots 10 to 1 at five on five uh, kuzmenko i thought had a better game uh, even though Miller and Besser weren't necessarily at their best. So I think that's a combination you want to give a longer look to. And of course, with Joshua uh, and Garland, they've had a lot of chemistry. You, you want to keep them intact for, for the most part. And then 
on the blue line. I mean, Zadorov and Myers, they were they were pretty solid, and I want to continue to see them uh, fare. Um, continue to see how they fare together. Okay, uh, let's get to our poll question because we know Jack Hughes is returning to Rogers Arena, the building he was drafted in. There's another guy returning to Rogers Arena, and that is former Canucks head coach Travis Green, who makes his first. It's his first time behind a bench at Rogers Arena, any bench at Rogers Arena, uh, since he was fired in December of 2021. So our poll question today, what should the Canucks do for Travis Green and his return to Rogers Arena tonight? A video tribute, put him on the video board, absolutely nothing. And as always, I'm angry. Even split here, but there are more people saying they should either do a video tribute or put him on the video board. I find this interesting because I, I lean toward either put him on the video board or absolutely nothing. I don't I don't know if you do a video tribute for a coach you fired when I, I, does it make it better or worse that this regime wasn't technically the one that fired him, Harmon? Like it was the owner who's obviously still here, but like he didn't get fired by Jim Rutherford. He didn't get fired by Patrick Alvin. So does it make it better or worse for Travis's chances of getting a video tribute tonight? I don't think it really has an impact to be honest the way I sort of look at it is the team didn't have enough success during that run to I think give a video tribute even though like also just in general how many coaches get video tributes is that a normal thing around or a thing around the league Uh, in my mind the way I look at it I, I think the putting him on the video jumbotron just like Pointing a, uh, pointing a camera to him during, let's say, the first intermission TV timeout. I think that's a great sort of middle yeah. ground because you're able to acknowledge that, hey, he was dealt a pretty rough hand in terms of the rosters Jim Benning built for him. But for the most part, and I don't think it's his fault necessarily that, that the team struggled during his uh, his tenure. But also you saw there were some positives. I mean, I think Green was an instrumental part of why Hughes and Pedersen were successful right out of the gate. I mean, we take that for granted. But when Pedersen broke into the into the league, for example, there was so much talk about, well, he's predominantly played wing. And he would played wing, I believe, in the SHL right before coming over to the NHL. And mm-hmm. especially with all the questions around his weight, there was a lot of discussion around the idea of, oh, you should put him on Brandon Sutter's wing. And at the time, it was a semi-bold decision to start Pedersen uh, at center. So I think that deserves props because I'll tell you this. I bet at least a certain chunk of NHL coaches would have started Pedersen on the wing, mm-hmm. uh, given his weight. And then even with Quinn Hughes coming in as an undersized offensive defenseman, t- for Travis to have the trust on opening night to say, all right, Quinn, you're going up first shift against Connor McDavid and you're you're going to be my guy in tough matchups immediately even though we have uh, an experienced vet in Alex Edler who could be sort of capable for that role again I I think it speaks to a level of trust he had in the young players to sort of hand them the rope right away that allowed them to sort of hit the ground running right away I mean I'll say this I remember because that was my first season covering the team Quinn was extremely appreciative of hey this coaching staff is using me in a top pair role against top competition so I think Green deserves some credit for that. Okay, uh, let's pull up the results here, Grady. Uh, 
34% say put them on the video board. I'm in that 34%, I think. I think the way you just kind of outlined it, Harmon, you do first TV timeout, you put them on the video board, Al Murdoch comes on the mic and just says, uh, welcome back to Rogers Green and Travis Green or whatever they want to do. 34% say they should do absolutely nothing, and 27% say it should be a full video tribute. You'd have, hey, you got the highlights of him in the bubble. Remember that that fist bump on the bench? You've got that. If you want to make a video tribute, you've got it available to you in 5% say they are angry so with that let's bring in our friend jeff patterson who is brought to you today by greta the home of our electric watch parties greta is canucks army spot to catch the game throughout the season playoffs and also our place to chill in the offseason when we go watch shohei otani as a blue jay greta is going to be our place to do it uh let's bring him in mr jeff Patterson of Rinkwide. He'll have the post game show for you tonight, folks. I'm there collecting audio. That's why I'm suited up. People in the chat were asking if I'm suited up. I'm suited up. I'm ready to go. Uh, Jeff, thanks for doing this. Hi, boys. Uh, this segment's not brought to you by Travis Green. I thought maybe he'd want to sponsor my appearance on uh, Canucks Convo here this afternoon. What do you think of that, though? Like our poll question of should the Canucks honor him at all? If they do, what should they do? Yeah, I put myself in that same group that you do, Quads. I think uh, an acknowledgement. The guy, five good years, plus all the years in Utica uh, in the system. Uh, he put in the years and earned an opportunity and obviously didn't go the way that he and the hockey club wanted. And so two years to the day since uh, his dis- departure or dismissal, uh, he is back. And he's uh, you know not in a head coaching role. He decided that he had to take an assistant coaching job just to get back in the loop. But I think he's put himself in a pretty good situation there with this New Jersey team. Uh, that hasn't had the start that I think a lot of us uh, around hockey thought that they would, but there's still a lot of runway left. Uh, I think they can get where they want to go, although the injury to Dougie Hamilton is going to hurt them uh, over the long haul. But uh, yeah, I think if you're the Vancouver Canucks, the right thing to do is acknowledge his return to the building, thank him for all of his years of service, and and then get on with the game and try to beat him and his Devils. Jay Pat, the Devils have the league's best power play right now, and the Canucks' penalty kill has hasn't looked great recently. How worried are you sort of big picture about the PK right now? And are there any deployment tweaks you would consider to maybe shift or or change, change things up? Yeah, I am worried harm. And quite frankly, having flashbacks to the last couple of seasons, when you think of the money uh, and the actual like allocation of resources and energy in the off season to address that one particular area of the game it shouldn't be right back to where it was the last couple of years. Now, it's not dead last, but you can see dead last from where they are. They're down to 25th in the National Hockey League at 75%. Like, this group, the personnel should be better. Without a doubt, they miss Carson Soucy and they miss Pia Suter. But good teams find ways to overcome. And I think in that one particular aspect of the game, they've got enough people that should still be able to get the job done. But uh, as far as personnel tweaks... uh, I want to see what Nikita Zadorov looks like. He logged three minutes and 19 seconds, I think it was, the other night. He and Tyler Myers were out there for the first Calgary power play goal. But, uh, you know, when I come back to my thing about being concerned, the Calgary Flames had scored two home ice power play goals all season. They doubled their total against the Vancouver Canucks. So that tells you that it's not a great Calgary power play. And if they were able to torch the Canucks for a pair, uh, four straight games, six of the last seven now, the Canucks have given up power play goals to opponents. And... Yeah, and maybe I'm scarred from watching the penalty kill the last bunch of years. Uh, and I wrote about this at Canucks Army yesterday. The one thing that this team has going for this year is where last year the penalty kill sunk them. I mean, it was responsible for losing hockey games. They were still able to give up two the other night against the Flames and win that game. And so, 
you know, they've alternated wins and losses here for the last eight. Uh, they're managing to tread water at the very least. But if they can get both ends of their special teams going, power play's gone a little bit quiet here. They're going back to that four forward set. I like that. But, uh, you know, I, I wonder if they lean on JT Miller just a little too much. He's always the first guy over the boards. Part of that is face-off deployment because uh, Teddy Bluger uh, hasn't been particularly good in the face-off circle. Nils Amon is starting to take on a little bit more of that role. Uh, they've got options now. And I would say 25 games into the season, there should be enough of a baseline to figure out who are your best six penalty killing forwards, you know, and who's getting the job done on defense and start to work with those guys. And if it means some difficult decisions, like I'm sure JT wants to be a part of it, but if that's not where he's helping the hockey club the most, then maybe you lessen the load a little bit there and find some other guys that can step up because uh, again, it's not costing them a ton in the way of wins and losses right now. But if this team has designed to be in a playoff team, like they've got to get, they can't go into the playoffs with a penalty kill that's taken on water the way that this one is right now. So you hope that Susie and Suter will be back. I mean, I think we have a better sense of Carson Susie's return than we do of Pia Suter. I mean, that's just become a massive mystery now. This will be his 11th straight game that he has missed since uh, the game in Montreal. So, uh, you know, you can't bank on those guys coming back anytime soon. The answers have to be found from within. And it, to me, it is an area that needs uh, some instant attention. Jeff, you briefly brought him up there. Nikita Zadorov, what did you make of his Canucks debut on Saturday night? Yeah, I thought in tough circumstances, and he talked about it too. I mean, how strange is that to get traded and then sit around in the same city until your new team arrives and then you join them and then you play against your old team? Uh, you know, and you heard about it from the crowd. I think he expected that. Anytime a player asks out, you can understand why the crowd would get on him. Uh, but through it all, you know, I like the way that they used him. We talked about three minutes of penalty kill time and then, you know, in the final minute trying to preserve a lead and ultimately a victory and he contributes to the empty net goal that stood up as the game winner so they didn't overextend him and rick Tockett talked about it again this morning that you know it was a full team day off yesterday and a guy like zadorov probably could use that just to you know kind of catch his breath and and, and collect his wits but Tockett also said like you know he's a big believer in not hammering guys with too much information that you know it's a chunk here and a chunk there that this guy's a pro he's been at this for close to a dozen years in the national hockey league that they don't have to bombard him with all sorts of systems information that he'll pick things up on the fly but uh, yeah all things considered i thought uh, he was all right you know he stepped up uh, early in the hockey game on dylan dubé they didn't credit him officially with a hit there so we're still waiting for him to you know have his first official hit as a member of the Vancouver Canucks. Now, maybe he took it easy on some of his old buddies on the Flames. Uh, I doubt that was the case, but, you know, that does intrigue me. That's an area and an element that the defense core doesn't really have is that big, physical, intimidating force where Tyler Myers obviously has the size and can, you know, he throws weight around. You think of the hit on John Tavares. You think uh, Duncan Keith a few years ago. It's not that Tyler Myers can't throw hits, but he's not out there generally looking for them. You know, that is part of Nikita Zor's DNA. And I think at some point here, and maybe he was saving it for his home opener uh, as a Canuck. But, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing that element of sort of deterrence that, you know, you let guys know that you're out there and maybe they don't want to go into your corner or maybe they don't want to venture to the front of the net. J-Pat, what have you thought of the new look top six recently? It seems like against Calgary, uh, the Pedersen line with Lafferty on it was really able to sort of start generating some momentum. They picked up a pair of five and five goals. Uh, and then also Andre Kuzmenko on the JT Miller line. Uh, curious what your thoughts are. Yeah, it's kind of funny, Harm, that uh, really when you look at the top six, the way it's constructed now, and they're going to keep the lines the same as they were the other night, 
essentially they have swapped uh, Phil DiGiuseppe out and Sam Lafferty in. And we had all these questions at the outset of the season about DiGiuseppe and how long could he last as a top six guy and contributing in this hockey club. But obviously he is, his play has uh, vanished, quite frankly. And so he's going to sit out for a second straight game here. Uh, Lafferty gets promoted. And and Sam Lafferty's been a, obviously a really nice pickup for the Canucks. I mean, six goals, six assists, and versatility to play a little bit higher in the lineup. So I'm not surprised that he's the guy that gets the, the bump here. I, I didn't think a whole lot of Kuzmenko's night uh, in Calgary, quite frankly. But that wasn't a knock on him. I thought that was one of JT Miller's quietest nights in a long, long time. And so... Uh, I'll give them another opportunity to try to find some chemistry. And I know Tockett's uh, had faint praise here for Kuzmenko, starting to see a little bit of, uh, you know, some signs of him digging in and playing a little bit better. But uh, how can you argue with the results of that Pedersen line? Uh, they each score a goal. They each get an assist. So two-point nights for all of them. I thought that was maybe Ilya Mikheyev's most assertive night as a Vancouver Canuck, not just this season, but when you think last year he played on a, a wonky wheel for, you know, until they shut him down. Like, I'm not sure that we've seen the best of Ilya Mikheyev. His anticipation to jump Mackenzie Weger and pounce on that loose puck and then put the Jets on. Like, I, I, honestly, I think that might be the fastest we've seen him in a straight line in Canuck colors. And that's really encouraging. I know he didn't score on the breakaway that there are still questions about his finishing touch around the net, but the guy does have eight goals now uh, in 21 games. So it's hard to argue with that. So I'm not surprised the talk is coming back with them. Again, is Sam Lafferty the answer long-term in the top six? Probably not if this team fancies itself as, uh, you know, any sort of uh, playoff contender. But again, uh, there's lots of time to work out those sort of kinks. I think in the short term, Lafferty's a fine option there. He's got speed. Uh, Rick Tockett's always looking for guys to get in on the forecheck and turn pucks over so that Elias Pettersson can do what he does best. And, you know, I, I, I've seen some signs here uh, of late, Elias Pettersson, sort of emerging from his fog too. Like I think he's been invested in and digging in a little bit more the last couple of games. And, and that's an encouraging sign to me because I thought he drew two penalties the other night in Calgary, rang the one off the post on the five on three and then figures uh, in the scoring as well. So I thought on the road and when JT Miller wasn't going that uh, kind of quietly, Elias Patterson had a really effective night the other night. All right, Jeff Hughes bowl tonight. What are you hoping to look for from the brothers? Well, look, Jack is one of my favorite players to watch in the National Hockey League. Uh, the things that he does at speed with the puck on his stick, uh, just an absolute menace to defend. So how do the Canucks defend? Uh, but I'm looking forward to seeing Luke. I mean, I've watched Luke on TV. I've seen clips of Luke, but I've never seen him uh, in person myself. And I, I kind of feel like a lot of the hockey world is sleeping on his rookie season so far. And with Dougie Hamilton out of the lineup, uh, you know, he's going to be asked to do a fair bit as a 20-year-old. And then Simon Nemich. Uh, the second overall pick from the draft a couple of years ago made his NHL debut the other night. So, you know, the Devils really are running with a 19 and a 20-year-old as two of their top defensemen. Uh, so that's kind of fascinating to me to see how long that's, uh, you know, can that be sustainable? Or are you going to have to live with some rookie mistakes? But uh want to see Luke in action. And look, every time out, uh, it's fun to watch Quinn, ninth goal the other night. So knocking on double digits. And would anybody be surprised if he got there tonight? I think the one thing that stands out, and Quinn was, you know, he was in game mode this morning. Just this massive scrum, the attention on this story. Like, the league is taking notice. Uh, like, I've been at this a while. That was as big a scrum around a Canuck player as I've seen in a long, long time on a game day. Uh, you know, so I do think the hockey world's taking notice of all of this. Uh, the Devils, for whatever reason, have just 
owned the Canucks in the last eight years. And I posted the stat on Twitter this morning. The Canucks have one win in the last 15 games against the, like think of the the Devils over the last eight years. They have two first overall picks and a second overall pick. It's not like they've been the Chicago Blackhawks or the Tampa Lightning or the Colorado Avalanche. Like they've been down in the dumps too. And for whatever reason, have just owned the Vancouver Canucks. And I think Quinn takes that kind of stuff to heart that Jack has a 5-1 uh, victory advantage over Quinn head to head. And I, I think Quinn's going to say enough is enough. Like, uh, you know, I think people around the league, if they haven't been taking notice of what Quinn's up to, I think some will stay up to watch this hockey game. And I just get a sense that Quinn's going to be as motivated, if not more so than usual. And that's a good thing for the Vancouver Canucks. Cause so we know when he's driven, that usually means good things uh, for the home side. Clean slate against the baby brother. That's what he's going to yes. be thinking. His youngest brother, he's got a clean slate. got to write that record, make sure it gets on track. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for doing this. We'll talk to you later on Rinkwide. All right, guys. Thanks. As Jeff Patterson, as I said, be sure to check out Rinkwide Vancouver, wherever you get your podcast. It is up roughly an hour or two hours after the final horn. So listen to it on your drive into work, whatever it is you want to do. Uh, J-Pat does an incredible job with uh, varying hosts. Harmon and I, being two of them that have been on that show. Uh, so our thanks again to Jeff Patterson. Uh, Harmon, the interesting thing, I think the most interesting thing that Jeff said there, said a lot of interesting things, but the final thing that he said really interested me about Quinn's going to want to win this game tonight. And like I said, with the baby brother, clean slate, he's going to be looking to write that ship. And that's a that's kind of an angle of this that I haven't really looked at and I wish I had before I made my Betway bet of the day, which we'll get to later because it should be the Quinn Hughes over on shots because he's going to be shooting tonight. Yeah, and it's funny though because I almost don't think Quinn's mindset is going to be that much different than what it has been Overall this season, and, and I mean that as a compliment of, I think, the step he's taken to where there's been a noticeable di- noticeable difference in how much he wants to sort of take over games this season. Just single-handedly, uh, you'll have sort of moments where in the puck or in the offensive zone, he's demanding the puck. Uh, he's looking guys off and he wants to do it. He wants to put the team on his back. It's just that feeling you get in certain situations where he's able to uh, take over the way he's relentlessly in attack mode. It's different from earlier in his career where a lot of times you'd see Quinn putting on an offensive show, but it would be here and there. It wouldn't be seemingly every shift. And that's what it's felt like for, um, for Hughes is he's just been relentlessly assaulting the other team. It's rare when you have nine other players on the ice, right? Four teammates, five five uh, opposing players, that one guy on the ice surface can single-handedly make that much of a difference. And yet he's been doing that pretty much the entire season. So for as much as he's going to have extra motivation to be a difference maker, it feels like just mentally he has a different killer instinct that comes with maturity, comes with experience, uh, that... Again, I've noticed this entire season, not just something that he's going to be looking to activate tonight. I like it. I like it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ahead of anyone else, and Harmon, you've got a really good one for us that you tried to get in yesterday, so we'll get to that in a second. Ahead of that, though, it's time for our Light the Lamp contest brought to you by our friends over at Four Winds Brewing. Vancouver is playing New Jersey tonight, and we want to know who's going to score the first goal for Vancouver. If you nail it, you could win a $25 gift card to the Four Winds Tap Room located at 72nd and River Road in Delta. Enter by following us on social media, keep an eye out for today's show clip, and comment who you think will light the lamp and score the first goal tonight. Winners will be contacted directly. Check us out at Canucks Army or at Canucks Combo on Twitter, at CanucksArmy.com on Instagram, and Canucks Army on Facebook. And make sure you ask about the Four Winds Light light logger at your local liquor store or have some delivered to your front door through the online shop at fourwindsbrewing.ca. Okay, uh, my prediction for tonight, first goal scorer, Quinn Hughes, scores his 10th, gets into double digits, gets me halfway to winning that bet against Mr. Chris Faber. Grady, do you want to give us a uh, prediction for tonight? And Harmon, I don't know if you'll want to, but you can if you want to. You don't like the vibes. You don't like going with it. Grady, let's hear yours. Sam Lafferty. Sam Lafferty, great pick. Harmon, give us one. Come on. Pedersen from Hughes. Pedersen from Hughes. Even given the first assist, I love it. Thank you, Harmon. Uh, with that, jumping segments quickly here, we're going to get to anyone else presented by DoorDash, which, mean, which means it's our listeners' chance to get involved. Hit us up in the YouTube live chat. It's also our listeners' chance to get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they enter the code Nation 25. That's all capital letters, Nation, and the numbers 25. And you download the DoorDash app and enter that code for your first order. 25% off, up to $10 value, and zero delivery fees. Offer valid in Canada, subject to change. Terms do apply. Okay, Harmon, I'm sorry we didn't get to it yesterday, my friend, but I told you we would get to it today for sure. And I'm following through on that promise because you told me this before we kind of even recorded the show and i said oh this is great we got to get to it you want to talk about the canucks month of november yeah just overall highlighting how this team is different in that they're finding ways to collect points even during a stretch where they've had things go wrong and they haven't been playing their best hockey i mean you look at everything that's sort of gone against them they had a heavy condensed schedule 13 games in 22 days with plenty of travel Uh, pedersen has mostly struggled Kuzmenko's really been fighting it. The top six hasn't been winning its five and five matchups lately. Both the Pedersen and Miller lines 
in the last 13 games have been outshot, outchanced. Uh, they're combined minus four at five on five. The power play has significantly cooled off. They've been 11th in the NHL at uh, 22% uh, over the last 13 games. The PK has been a problem. It's been 29th in the NHL during that stretch. Uh, the blue line has looked overwhelmed at times. They've had to lean way too heavily on Hughes, Ronick, and Cole with Susie's injury. And of course, uh, prior to the Zadorov acquisition, and yet they're seven, six and zero oh, since uh, the Eastern swing that started in, um, in Ottawa during the second week of November, right? So many things going against them and it sort of contrasts, for example, the 2019, 20 season, which is the last time the Canucks made the playoffs where they had a promising start in October. And then you looked at November, they gave up the head start and the cushion they'd built, built up for themselves by losing 11 of 15 games. Okay. So penalty kill, let's go there. Cause we talked about how much the penalty kill was hurting them last time or last year. Are you worried about the penalty kill at all here, Harmon? Like we've, we just got went over it with J Pat. I wanted to get your take on that. That's my, anyone else is anyone else worried about the Canucks penalty kill? Yeah, it's concerning because if you look at JT Miller's PK results over many, many years, his goals against rate is one of the highest among all NHL forwards. But the problem is, if you don't have him first over the boards, do you have a centerman that can consistently win draws? Because faceoffs are so, so crucial when you're shorthanded. You get that first faceoff win, you get the clear. Immediately, you're, click, you're, you're clearing 20 to 30 seconds off the clock. Plus, I think the Canucks' top strength on the penalty kill is their forecheck. How many times do we see... You know, the second unit come over the boards, Dakota Joshua, for example, and they typically do a pretty good job of if a team is trying to regroup of disrupting those lanes. It's when the opponent gets set up right away that it feels like in zone, they're just zipping and snapping it around. I mean, even against Anaheim, for example, they don't have a great power play uh, and to see how dangerous and potent they looked. Calgary, of course, I think their power play was 11% going into the game against the Canucks. So it's concerning, especially because there isn't, I don't think, a quick or immediate fix. The other thing that's interesting is Rick Tockett was asked about the penalty kill a couple of uh, of days ago at practice. And he referenced that, and this didn't immediately stand out to my eye when watching the games, but he referenced that when you look at the numbers, because they obviously have private data that we don't, the Canucks penalty kills clearing efficiency so when they get the puck their ability to actually get it out apparently it's one of the worst marks in the nhl so that's another um area you're obviously hopeful that zadorov can can make um an impact there i think cutting cutting out those backdoor cross scene plays are going to be massive the first uh, calgary power play goal was like that you think about the uh, i think it was the nutrushkin power play goal against colorado where heronic wasn't able to sort of deny the backdoor play as long as Demko's taking the shot, I'm confident. But that's the problem is they've been giving up way too many of those east-west passes lately. Okay, so there was a report today that Philip Broberg is on the trade market from the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, they're looking for a dollar-for-dollar dollar trade. So you'd have to send back a player, not a draft pick. And Pimp Hand Strong in the chat says, what are the odds the Canucks check in on Broberg? Should they? It's a good question. I don't know what management themselves will be thinking. I mean, my initial thought is if you're Edmonton considering as a top prospect, 
or and you know given that he is still pretty young you probably don't want to trade him in division especially because uh, he's going to presumably get a lot of uh interest look broberg has some intriguing traits he's He's got size and he skates really well. I don't like the hockey sense. For me, I don't think that he's the reclamation project to pay a lot for, which I don't think his stock has dropped enough to the point where he's going to be cheap to acquire. He's still only drafted in 2019. And because of the physical attributes that I brought up, he's going to be intriguing for a lot of teams. And so, I mean, I would do my research. I would do do my due diligence, really watching a lot of the tape on uh, on him. But I remember him as a prospect. I didn't like him because of his decision-making. I looked at him as a defenseman that had, again, the size and the skating, but I've never liked what he does with the puck in terms of his IQ, but also his defensively. I don't think he's reliable. I don't think he's earned trust yet. So even as a short-term option, especially as another lefty, I don't even know if he would draw into the lineup, to be totally honest with you, especially when Susie comes back. You've got four lefties. I'm not sure I like the fit for Broberg in Vancouver, even though he, even though I do think he he would be an interesting project for somebody else. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, I don't like the player either. Faber in his draft year just said this guy shouldn't even be a top 20 pick, and Faber was very adamant about that. Uh, we went to a Bakersfield Condors game, Abbotsford Canucks game, and Faber said, did you know Philip Roberg was on the ice in that game? And I said, no, I did not. And he said, exactly. Uh, and I, I used to take a lot of uh, prospect advice from that gentleman. And he hated, hated, I don't know if he still does. I can't speak for him now, but hated Philip Roberg. And I remember he actually took it from some uh, Edmonton media folk because he called him a bust on Twitter when he was like a year into the league. <laughs> Faber texted me. He's like, I probably shouldn't have called him a bust yet. And I was like, yeah, maybe not. But hey, uh, I'm all for it. He was it. just early. Uh, yeah, exactly. He was early. I Honestly, I I, I watched him play. I, I tend to agree with Faber on this one that, yeah, this is not definitely not a prospect uh, for the Canucks to go acquire. Definitely not someone. Uh, I think they should be giving anything up because again, if, if it's player in player out, you're looking at a guy like a Nils Huglander, Bud Coles and Lecaremack. Yeah. I don't know what it would be. Probably, probably Huglander if you're getting Broberg, um, if anything. So yeah, probably not a trade the Canucks want to make, especially if they, they might even have to add draft capital. I don't know. I don't know what Edmonton's looking for. We'll see how that plays out, but it was a good anyone else in the chat here. We've got some more. This one from Corey Anderson, regular contributor to the show. With the strong season Besser is having, what do you do with him if you're Alvin as he is a UFA next summer? Well, he's got, well, he's not a UFA this summer. So, I mean, I would sort of just, that's a decision that you worry about later down the road. If, uh, if I'm being totally honest, right, he's on an absolute heater, heater so far this season. Uh, you hope that he keeps it up. And then I think you base this, the decision in part based off um, how he follows up next season, because that'll give you a better indication of, okay, is what he's doing this season a one-off? And then you even get into considerations like, how does that affect the price of his uh, next contract? How do you also, and this is something that's been, you know, interesting and I've thought about uh, for a while is for a player like Besser who doesn't have the best foot speed, is he likely to age poorly because once he loses the next half a step it'll really hinder and affect him or because he's developed you know net front skills and because his game already isn't reliant on speed 
is he is he the type of player that it like that aspect won't really affect him and he may age gracefully right um of course the injuries are another consideration whether he can stay healthy uh, over this season and next uh, to me there's just so much that has to has to play out and that i need to see before uh, i can make a confident read on on what the Canucks should do this one from seven seven street dream said how concerned are you that it seems that only quinn is able to lead or carry a top four pairing at an elite level should they force Heronic to carry his own pairing, hoping Willander is the Messiah? Question mark. I don't even know where to go with that one. <laughs> yeah, so there's two ways of looking at it. In the short term, I think the Canucks, the their formula is you have the Hughes Heronic pair as a really high end top pair on the NHL, and then rather than a second and a third pair, you more have a balanced bottom four that I think will be deployed relatively equally because you've got Cole, you've got Zadorov, you, you've got uh, Myers, you're going to get Susie back. Uh, you may, you may sign bear. So I don't think there's a huge distinguishing barrier between, you know, the quote unquote second pair and the quote unquote third pair. I think the members in the bottom four are all going to be playing roughly in the 16 to 20 minute range, depending on their special teams and specifically their PK involvement and, uh, and ice time. And I think really the formula in, in the short, short run is rely on the Hughes Heronic pair to dominate and sort of give you an edge and then just hope that the bottom four can sort of hold the fort down. And, you know, they don't have to decisively be winning their matchups, but to, but to essentially just tread water and not be a liability, which I think, um, is a fair assumption long term when you talk about this team's evolution and taking the step to the point where they can be a cup contender. I do think they're going to need another high end top four defenseman, not the type where you're like, okay, he can hang in a second pair role, but a legit driver, uh, somebody who is around Heronic's caliber as a player, because that way you then have three in Hughes, Heronic, and somebody else. Um, as as legit sort of high-end defensemen because so many contending teams especially ones that have won stanley cups they have defensemen that they have defensemen slotted in the lineup lower than they actually would be based off their true talent so like with vegas for example they have a shea they have shea theodore on their second pair theodore would absolutely based off his talent level be a top pair defenseman they've had uh hagen white cloud on their third pair hagen white cloud would be a solid serviceable second pair for a lot of NHL teams. You look at uh, when Colorado won um, on the left side, them ascent or yeah, on the left side, them having Taves, uh, Byram, Gerard, and then on the right side, of course, even having McCarr, like such a loaded stacked blue line. Uh, there are other sort of examples as well. When Tampa won on the left side to have Hedman, McDonough and Sergachev, uh, you know, the Canucks need another really high-end driver long-term if they want to get to the point where they're a cup contender. Harmon, I love it. Thank you for your contributions during this Anyone Else segment. Let's get to our Betway bet of the day as we close out the show on this Tuesday afternoon. Grady, pull it up here. I'm going simple, folks. Tonight's a toss-up, according to our friends over at Betway, both the Vancouver Canucks and the New Jersey Devils with identical minus 110 odds on the money line to win the game tonight. I am going with the Vancouver Canucks, a $10 bet over at Betway with minus 110 odds, as I said, will return you $19.09. If you choose to play, please play 
responsibly. Okay, as we close out here, gentlemen, uh, we've given our first goal scorer of the game for Vancouver. Anybody that you think is going to have maybe a breakout performance tonight? I'm, I'm going to go first because I brought it up. I'm going to go first and say I think Noah Juleson scores a goal tonight. He's always winding up for the one-timer. He's going <laughs> to score tonight. I'm going Noah Juleson. He's going to score a goal. Well, he needs somebody that um, actually has the confidence pass to pass it to him because I'm not going to lie. Lots of times I see him loading up and you know he wants the shot and then the teammate just looks him off. Let him cook, man. That's probably why everybody thinks he's not an NHL defenseman because we haven't been able to see that one-timer that he's so confident to keep calling for. I, I hope he scores one. I'd love to see it. All the attention is on Jack and Quinn, so that means younger brother Luke is going to step into the spotlight and score tonight. Ty David bringing up a really good point in the YouTube live chat. He he said, when does Juleson hit the net? And he makes a good point that Juleson does have to hit the net to score a goal. So we will see. We will see. I'm just throwing it out there. Him folks. hitting the net is his goal. <laughs> he, yeah. hit, he hits field goal shots. That's what he hits. That's right, man. You need you, punch hey, I'll, I'm going to bring this up uh, another day when we talk about the PK. Juleson's PK results are actually really, really good. Yeah. Like surprisingly strong. He's, so he's actually played better of late. I didn't see the game on Saturday, but kind of before that, you know, same kind of thing with Myers, like less is more, the less puck touches he has, the better off the team will be. Having said that in an ideal world, he's not on your roster. Uh, okay, quickly wanted to get this in. couple things. Botford Project recipients have been announced. Congratulations to all three of you. Tyson Cole, uh, Ian Wilson among them. I cannot believe I'm forgetting the third. I should have prepped this. Uh, but she is going to be there as well. And it is going to be Izzy. That's her name, I think. Uh, she's going to be there as well. This Saturday, it's going to be so fun to see them all come through. Very, very excited to see it. And a fellow Botford Project recipient uh, is in the YouTube live chat. That's right, Chris Faber. Chris Faber making an appearance today. Uh, we got to get him on the show soon. That'd be fun. Uh, he said, hey, y'all, nice to see some regulars and the chat popping off. 140 viewers in here. Uh, Trip said, Faber heard Quads talking about Broberg and had to make an appearance. Uh, and someone pointed out that, uh-oh, the Canucks organization is spying on us again. Uh, that was Nick P who said that, which was great to see. Chris, thanks for watching the show, buddy. Uh, Harmon. Thank you for joining me virtually on this show. Uh, and we'll close it out right there. So for my co-host, Harmon Dell, and our talking producer, Grady Sass, our thanks to, why not, Chris Faber, and of course, Jeff Patterson, who joined us on today's show. My name is Dave Woodrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Canucks Conversation with Harmon and Quads every weekday at 2 p.m. Be sure to check it out on the Canucks Army YouTube channel. And if you missed it, go check it out on your favorite podcast catcher app. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 